0: informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network.
1: Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, happy to be back in the studio after a long couple of days, a very fulfilling few days at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City, Missouri, last week. Happy to be back here with you on AOA agriculture of America brought to you by Cenex premium diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Jesse Allen with you here, a lot to get to on today's program. We will have a few conversations from the NAFB convention last week. I talked with Ethan Lane from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association about the uh, stopgap CR to keep the government funded. Now the new deadlines in January and February the farm bill extension, some other issues uh, impacting the beef and cattle indus- industry, including the Paraguayan beef imports uh, topic that has come up in the news. So we're going to talk about that more coming up later on in the show. We'll also have an agronomy discussion with Tim Swanson from CHS. That was a conversation we had last week at Trade Talk as well in Kansas City. Coming up in segment two, we'll talk weather with DTN's John Baranek. Sounds like we could be getting some rain in Brazil this week. So I know that'll be a, a big talking point. Be interesting to hear what John has to say. Kicking things off, though, let's take a look at what's going on in the markets. Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst with Bar Chart, joining us to kick off the program today. Darren, great to talk with you and uh, hope you had a great weekend.
2: Yeah, it was a nice weekend, Jesse. Uh, you know, and it and really it just kind of sets the stage. You know, Sunday night into Monday, we were now into the holiday season. You know, we've got the uh, U.S. Thanksgiving holiday here, kind of breaks up this week, and then from here through the end of the year, it's uh, you know it's just one long holiday. It seems like with with trade volume dying down, and but there's still a lot going on. As you mentioned, all eyes are going to be on Brazilian weather. There's there's headlines uh, across across the globe. So a lot to keep track of, even though uh, we may not see it in trade volume.
1: Yeah, and it's an interesting week. I always find this week peculiar, Darren, be, with mm-hmm. with Thanksgiving on Thursday and then a, a shortened session on Friday. It, mm-hmm. it always it's always interesting uh, with traders. It feels like you know there's a lot of them that just they don't pay attention to the market on Friday, but. I always seem like it can lead to some extra volatility uh, depending on on what's going on in the marketplace, Darren.
2: Yeah, the lower volume uh, certainly makes it it makes it possible, it makes it likely that we can see wider trading ranges because it doesn't take as many orders to move something. And then before we went on, you mentioned something, and you're absolutely right. Uh, it's also December option expiration uh, this coming yes. Friday, and i had forgotten that little tidbit. Uh, so that just adds an extra layer of nuance, a little a little more fun uh, to a day when everybody's trying to, you know it, it's a short session. everyone's trying to settle in and watch football anyway uh, here in the u s. Uh, this certainly makes it fun, particularly in years when you see big moves uh, like what we've seen in some of these December contracts.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm glad. Thank you for looking that up because I couldn't remember if it was December options coming up later this week or not, but I think that just goes to show uh, some more added volatility mm-hmm. could be possibly there. Soybeans a little higher to start the week on Monday. You shared something with me mm-hmm. uh, earlier this morning uh, about watching the presidential election in Argentina, how that yeah. could maybe be having an impact right now in this bean market.
2: Yeah, that the the initial overnight trade was really interesting to watch as, as Jan beans dropped thirteen and a quarter cents and they immediately uh, came back and rallied eleven and three quarter cents. So we had a twenty five cent range within the first hour, uh, and and that was really something. And then as we moved through the overnight session through uh, early Monday morning, we we saw continued support. Now you know initially to me it looked like nothing more than what we tend to see uh, with uh, some commercial buying coming in. We've seen the big sell off, uh, you know, world. Buyers are probably coming to the U.S. for some soybeans here, but then someone mentioned to me that you know this this there was also a lot of chatter about the uh, the uh, the Argentine presidential election, and what happened there was that the the incumbent lost lost by a large margin. And a far right candidate won, so there is a lot of uncertainty now uh, as to what this could mean, not only for the Argentina's relations with other countries, uh, but Argentina's role as as the world's largest soybean uh, meal exporter. Uh, So I, I I went over and I was I was studying the the bean meal market a bit this morning, and I didn't see anything overly dramatic. Yes, it was very similar to what we saw in soybean sell-off rally and so on. Uh, but I didn't see anything way out of line. But it is going to give us something to watch. You know, what does the new president say? What is the rhetoric going to be? What is his stance with the world's largest buyers, China and so on? Uh, how is he going to approach this? We've seen this sort of thing before. We've seen it in the U.S. We've seen it in Brazil. Uh, you know, all of the major players in, in the in the oilseed complex have gone through this same thing. And at the end of the day, a couple years down the road, the status quo remains the same. The US has dropped away uh, from being a a major player uh, in in, in the global soybean market. And and now we'll see what happens with Argentina. It will this affect uh, its role as the world's largest soybean meal exporter. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch.
1: Yeah, that is uh, some great, interesting thoughts uh, that I I would agree. We're going to have to watch that pretty closely moving forward. Uh, in the case of corn, pretty mm-hmm. quiet, low volume to start the week. I know some folks are worried about, uh, going down and setting, uh, some new lows in these corn potentially here. I mean, if you look at a, at a cord chart right now, are, are you concerned we could break
2: even lower than we have Darren? It, there, it, there is a concern, uh, the most bullish factor for corn right now is is the large net short futures position held by the fund traders? If we go back to last Friday's uh, CFTC Commitments Traders Report, and again I, I look at legacy futures only, uh, it's the easiest one and one that makes the most sense when we're talking about trends and so on. Uh, the, the fund side or the non-commercial side increased their net short futures position in corn by another thirty-one hundred sixty contracts, so it pushed it out to one hundred nine thousand two hundred. It's not, it's not huge. It's not record. It's not record large, but. It is big enough that, you know, for no other reason, fundamentals don't have to change, but for no other reason, except we're coming up on on December uh, delivery period, we're heading into the holiday season, there's not going to be much happening. If that group starts to cover some of that position, we could actually see corn rally. Fundamentally, it has no reason to rally. Fundamentally, it could easily go to new lows. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if we see the funds starting to cover some of this short, that does open the door to a bit of a rally here to close out not only November, but work our way into December
1: cattle markets as well cattle on feed from friday afternoon i would say that report was relatively neutral darren what's your thoughts on that report (laughs)
2: You know, to me, it's a bunch of nonsense because, I mean, these are numbers as of November 1st. And so it tells us, while it gives us kind of a roadmap as to where we were uh, and we can see, you know, what USDA has it pegged is what was placed and what was marketed and, and what, you know, final numbers were on feed were. The market's already known this for m- at least four weeks. So, you know, it, it's really nothing new. And we're not seeing much of a, of a knee-jerk reaction here this morning. We've seen live cattle. Both sides have unchanged. Uh, but what it's really going to boil down to is, you know, our fundamentals going to be continuing to grow a bit more bullish. Is basis going to stay strong? Are we going to see the cash market starting to firm these sorts of things? Uh, boxed beef has been under a good deal of pressure here so far in November. That could ultimately weigh on the market a bit. We have seen cash break down a little bit uh, over the last couple of weeks. So now let's see if we don't start to build some support in, kind of set the futures market aside for right now. It's a bit oversold. Maybe it starts to rally as well.
1: Appreciate the thoughts and the time. Darren, real quick, favorite Thanksgiving side dish. Mine's green bean casserole. What's yours?
2: My favorite side dish would probably have to be, I'd probably be leaning towards you know, the same sort of thing, some sort of green, green bean casserole, something along that line.
1: Awesome. Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart. Thanks for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving, Darren. We'll talk to you soon. The same
2: to you, Jesse. Thank you.
1: All right, coming up next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. We'll talk with DTN's John Baranek on the way right after this.
3: Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting.
4: Adopt U.S.
5: Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning
6: the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, That's rad. Rad, just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need, AOA. Now,
1: back to Jesse Allen. Well, I know a lot of folks are keeping a close eye on the weather forecast here for this week ahead with Thanksgiving travel coming up here. A lot of, uh, a lot of folks are going to be uh, making their way around the country for those uh, Thanksgiving gatherings, and we're going to dive in and take a look at what's going on with the weather and also get an update on South America, Brazil, specifically here as we uh, get back to things on AOA. Agriculture of America brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel a diesel that doesn't mess around. Joining us now to give us a look at that weather forecast, DTN meteorologist John Baranek. And John, uh, we ended the last segment with Darren Newsom asking your favorite Thanksgiving side dish. Uh, My producer Paul said his is stuffing and that Tuesday's National Stuffing Day. I didn't know that. What is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish, John?
7: Oh man, it's so hard to choose. Like I'll I'll take just about everything and I'll eat all of it. Uh you know, I always engorge myself pretty good on Thanksgiving, yeah. whether it's turkey, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, stuffing. Uh you know, you I know, I heard you talk about yours was green bean casserole. That mm-hmm. one's probably the one I I stay away from the most. But uh, you know, everything else, man, just pile it on my plate. I'll eat it all day long.
1: Yeah, I am, I'm a firm believer in the if I see food, I eat food diet. So that's, uh, that's where I stand on Thanksgiving for sure. Well, hey, speaking of Thanksgiving, as I mentioned, uh, I know a lot of folks keeping an eye on that weather forecast here for this week ahead uh, with Thanksgiving travel plans and more, whether they're driving or flying. And I know a lot of our farmers are uh, mostly wrapped up with field work, but maybe some lingering field work out there as well that – uh, looks to dodge some rain showers or even some snow showers. So what are we looking at for this week ahead here across the U.S.? What are some of the big features you're keeping an eye on, John?
7: Yeah, overall, it's a pretty active weather week. Um, just depends on where you are, uh, obviously, in, in the country. But, you know, we, we saw this system move out into the central and southern plains here over the weekend. And it's going to be kind of cruising through the eastern half of the country here over the next couple of days. Uh, we're looking at some widespread rain for, for really a lot of the country here. It's, it's really starting to, to move into the, the Mississippi Valley today and tonight, and then uh, through the eastern Midwest and the East Coast tomorrow and into Wednesday. So um, that, that'll be the one part of it is just kind of the widespread rain we're looking at. It's, it's thankfully going over some areas that are in drought and could use some rain uh, before those soils freeze up. But you know some of those folks that are still up in Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, still got some work to do yet. Um, you know, we're going to hopefully get it in today because tomorrow looks pretty wet. So, um, we'll we'll be dealing with that. It's also going to be pretty breezy with this system too. There's some areas here that we could Mm -hmm. see 40, 50 mile an hour wind gusts out of it. Um, but you know, that's, that's fall, fall storms for you. That's, it's, it's pretty typical. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of nice that we get kind of a little bit of a break in between for Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, we don't have a whole lot going on. Uh, so if you're traveling before, Or, you know, want to go play football in the backyard on on Thanksgiving. Um, Overall, not too bad in terms of precipitation, at least. We will see a cold front drop down from Canada here, though, from Wednesday, Thursday, and getting to Friday, just kind of slowly sagging south through the country here this week. And um, uh, it will be bringing temperatures down quite a bit. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. we've been pretty fortunate that, you know, much of last week uh, was really warm. We saw some record warmth in some areas um, just on a couple of days. Um, but you know this this cold front that comes down is is bringing some some colder air when you compare it to where we've been and where we are now. But you know it's not too far off of of, of the actual normals, so um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's going to feel colder, but it's not going to be that extreme, which is which is nice. But it may produce some snow. Um, the the place we're really looking at though is really the high plains, so it's okay. kind of hard to 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 point out kind of an eastward extent to it. But if you go from the Rockies out east about a, a good 100, 150 miles, we're looking at some snow uh, in some of these areas from, from Southwestern Mon- or Southeastern Montana down to, to Colorado and, and maybe parts of Western Nebraska and Kansas as well, getting some snowfall too. Uh, the closer you're out the mountains, it could be, it could be heavy in some of these areas, especially Wyoming, um, where we look at, we might be looking at over a foot of snow out of it. So if as long as we're not in these areas, um, uh, the holiday's not too bad. Just a little bit on the chilly side.
1: All right, all right. Now with some of this uh, precipitation that's going to work through this week, are, are we uh, thinking any of that is going to be a big help to the Mississippi River at all, John? What do you think about that?
7: I think it's going to do some. Um, you know, a lot of the the heaviest rainfall is actually going through that lower Mississippi Valley. Uh, where we've been building drought over the last uh, couple months, really, and into the Tennessee Valley as well, um, and you know, a lot of what feeds that Mississippi, that southern half of the Mississippi River, is what goes on in the Ohio River. Um, and that's, that, that's been an area where we've seen kind of showers dodge off to the North or off to the South. And they've been kind of on the drier side of, of everything this week, Mm -hmm. though, it looks like they're going to get some pretty decent rainfall in there. So, um, I, I think the, 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 the lower Mississippi, you know, which, you know, trended up for a little bit and then kind of went back down last week and and early this week. Um, it'll take some time, obviously getting from the, from Ohio all the way down to Memphis say, um, but, uh, at least we'll be parking up, uh, uh, water levels there with with a little bit of time we'll just get we're just gonna need more and more of these uh coming through here over the next couple of months to to really help out with that all
1: right john let's turn down to south america brazil argentina brazil specifically I, i know this has a lot of uh market impacts right now of course is what's going on with their weather we had that stretch of hot and dry here in central brazil last week but now It appears that some of those heavier rains from southern Brazil may be making their way a little farther to the north this week. So uh, tell us about that. Is that the case? What are we seeing in Brazil this week?
7: Yeah, that is the case. Um, And it's, you know, uh, if if it wasn't so dry and hot the last several weeks uh, there in central Brazil, we wouldn't really be talking much about it because it's just their typical wet season showers they normally see. Uh, They just haven't had those Really, for any consistent period of time here to start off their, their wet season. So, they're finally getting into these more consistent wet season showers and thunderstorms. Um, you know, they are scattered in nature, so not everywhere gets hit every single day. Uh, and, you know, some areas are probably going to be missed out a little bit more than others. And, you know, we know how thunderstorms work here in our uh, neck of the mm-hmm. woods. They happen that down there the same way, they just happen to have it just about every day down there so um, you know it, it's looking like it should honestly for for late november the question the big question there for central brazil is it does it last and um you know we're seeing kind of signals for it for next week to see these showers they're still going to be around be a lot more isolated so um the coverage is going to be lower than, than is typical uh and that means amounts are lower and um you know when you when you when you see that um, that's typically what we see during El Nino and we weren't really expecting these long, hot, dry stretches. We were kind of expecting showers to be there, just be a little bit more isolated and not kind of put down the typical rainfall they see. So we're, we're kind of, you know, making up a little bit of lost ground here, uh, this week, but it doesn't mean it's going to last. So, um, they, they, still got some, uh, uh, work to do down there in central Brazil.
1: What about Argentina? How are things looking there? We know they've spent the last couple of years battling drought and we've been watching their forecast get a little bit better, a little, a little better rainfall here the last couple of months. Uh, but what's the latest for Argentina right now?
7: Yeah, overall they've seen a drastic improvement from, uh, where they had been under those La Nina conditions of the last couple of years. Um, it started off kind of dry for their, their early season, but has since picked up, uh, this week, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, it was dry over the weekend, and they've, they've got, you know, a front coming through tomorrow and a Wednesday to bring some decent showers to kind of the northern half of the region, but the southern half stays much drier. And um, the rest of the country then stays, stays pretty dry here through the weekend. Now, normally, we'd be a little bit concerned about that since they're coming off a drought, and it's not, you know, fantastic conditions right down there right now. It's, it's good, but not fantastic. So a dry stretch wouldn't be great. But we do see uh, uh, chances for rain uh, increasing early next week. So it's not really a very long dry stretch for them. So uh, as long as this rain comes in early next week, we probably won't be concerned about Argentina. We'll, we'll continue with the, uh, the thought process that uh, production down there in Argentina is, is going to be higher, at least in the last couple of years and, and on, on a good track to, uh, to produce some pretty good amounts as forecast
1: all right we got about a minute here john any other weather features uh, you're watching around the world or anything else you want to reiterate to folks to keep an eye on for the forecast here moving forward this week
7: yeah this week you know i mentioned kind of several little pieces of things kind of moving through and and the forecast has been changing uh a little bit as as we've been going around so if you see differences in your forecast here you know that's that's probably not shouldn't be too surprising um, I, I'm worried a little bit about the heavy snow out there in the Rockies, but at least for, for, for most folks, it's, it's not too bad. Everybody's got everything wrapped up for those uh, with uh, cattle out there um, that, that might have some more, some more issues with that. And, uh, and and those needing to maybe fly through Denver on, on a flight might have some issues here for the weekend too. So I'm just keep continuing to watch kind of how that snow evolves and, and, and the forecast going into December still looks on, uh, to be on the warm side. So, Uh, We'll be looking at that thanks to El Nino.
1: All right. Well, with that, we appreciate the forecast. DTN meteorologist John Baranek. John, have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Jesse. John Baranek there with DTN joining us for weather here on AOA, brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Up next, a conversation with Ethan Lane from the NCBA on the way right after this.
0: In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. You're listening
8: to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains and oil seeds are mixed this morning. Corn is hovering around unchanged with a slightly bearish tone to them. Wheats are mixed. Kansas City is higher, while Chicago and Minneapolis are mostly lower. Soybeans, however, they are sharply higher this morning. That's after dipping below the 20-day moving average and reaching a key support area near 1325. Strength is coming from bean oil futures that's following a stronger crude market higher, while soybean meal, after plunging $35 from the highs in the last four days, is also bouncing after breaching its 20-day moving average. Now, soy meal is still trading lower. However, it has rallied some $8 above the Sunday night low. U.S. soybean exports have also recently been on the upswing as it does appear that China has become nervous from the bullish Brazil weather, but this week's added moisture there could slow some buying interest. Now, the rains in center-west Brazil are starting. Widespread relief is starting to arrive in some of the parched areas of center-west Brazil with a half an inch to two inch and even locally up to six inches expected across 80% of the soybean belt. Northeastern areas are expected to be most at risk of missing out, however. Another round of rains is expected late week before a drier week two outlook. Now also in South America, in Argentina, there is a new president-elect, it's Libertarian Javier Malay, and that shocked the world when he won a runoff presidential election over the weekend. That ousted the two primary parties that have been battling over Argentina's futures for decades. Malay won the election with 56% of the popular vote, including support from young people eager for a change, but also with the widespread support of production agriculture. Argentina has tremendous agricultural potential, but the potential is held down by aggressive tax policies used to pay for its extensive social programs. And crude oil prices are rebounding again this morning from last week's collapse. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet.
9: Teachers are dynamic leaders, shaping a new generation. They bring a variety of perspectives from diverse backgrounds, innovating how they teach to prepare students for our fast-changing world. Achieving this takes skill and expertise. They're tireless explorers, creatively discovering a universe of solutions, telling stories, experimenting, inspiring, mentoring, Connecting cultures and connecting with each other. Leading by example. Experience the unique joy of helping students thrive. Teaching is a journey that shapes lives. Are you ready to begin? Explore teaching at teach.org, a campaign supported by the U.S. Department of Education, teach.org, and one million teachers of color.
0: informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back
1: to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. Last week at the NAFB convention in Kansas City, Missouri, I sat down and had a conversation with Ethan Lane, vice president of government affairs with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We talked about the farm bill extension with the stopgap funding to keep the government open and much, much more. Here is that conversation with Ethan Lane from NCBA. We're going to keep the government open at least into the early part of 2024, January, February. Got a, a continuing resolution that's working its way through Capitol Hill. It includes a one-year extension of the current farm bill. Sounds like at least a, a temporary win just to keep things open here through the holidays. I mean, what's your take on on how this is all unfolding right now?
6: Well, given what we've seen play out over the last five or six weeks in the House of Representatives, a a past CR, you know, by any, by any uh, measure is a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Senate can now do its work uh, we can get through the holidays. This is this new laddered approach, you know, obviously is a different way of doing this, kind of breaking this up into two different tranches. And I think there's some logic behind that that hasn't been talked about enough, you know, taking a little bit of the allure away from being able to hold the entire process hostage. You break it up a little bit. Partial shutdowns don't have nearly the impact that a full shutdown would have. Um, and and I think there was some kind of thought put into to, to doing that. We'll see how it plays out. But I, I think that it is, a, uh, it is a win to get out of this fall uh, with a, with a, without a shutdown, without that sort of maximum impact shutdown plan that we'd seen from USDA going into effect. You know, they mm. were going to terminate market news. They were going to kind of make it as, as difficult as possible on the supply chain. I think avoiding that is, is on its own um, a, a real positive outcome. Uh, certainly my blood pressure's gone down going into the holidays a little bit.
1: Are we worried? This is a thought that kind of crossed my mind. I know with uh, House Speaker Johnson getting this CR through the House, having to pull some votes from the Democratic side, and I know that some of the hardliners weren't for his plan. Do we worry that those hardliners could blow things up again and – possibly try to kick speaker johnson out now because they're not happy is there any of that worry on capitol hill
6: there 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 has to be but i think there's also got to be a little bit of self-reflection and i'm i'm being real generous here there's got to be a little bit of self-reflection amongst that real fringe populist contingent in the house republican conference they broke the mechanism it stayed broken for weeks Mm Um, this has not been popular with the American people. It has not been popular with Republicans. And, and so for them to come back in and, and do it again, I think would be wildly unpopular. Um, you know, these members, even in safe Republican districts, aren't untouchable. You look at Lauren Boebert, that's a pretty safe district and she is in danger of losing that seat. Um, that speaks to the fact that these, these folks can push the, push things too far Um, I also think that there was more loaded into the McCarthy thing than just that clean CR that they were frustrated about because – the CR they passed yesterday was basically exactly the same, except split into two. Um, and the vote totals broke down in, in a very similar way. Um, there was just a lot more angst, I think, built up around McCarthy with some of these members. Certainly, we saw that play out with some of the um, almost physical violence playing out on Capitol Hill in the last couple of days. You know, the McCarthy elbow incident. Um, uh, people are just are, are just pretty keyed up at the moment. I think getting past that and, and moving forward is going to be helpful. It doesn't sound like there's going to be any immediate ramifications for Speaker Johnson by, by getting this thing moved through. We'll see what January looks like. You know, I, when they go home for Christmas and get some feedback from their constituents, that'll help inform how they how they engage after the holidays.
1: Ethan, let's talk uh, about the farm bill as well. Getting a new farm bill, uh, Chairwoman Stabenow Senate and Senate Ag Committee had said this week she feels like there's a lack of urgency in farm country to Get a new farm bill done. Do you feel like that's a case that there's a lack of urgency, or,
6: or not right now? I think it depends on the commodity. I think that in in some of the the row crops, I think certainly there's some urgency to make sure that that lapse doesn't persist beyond the end of this year. Sure. Um, and and I think that's been well articulated by by the, the the trade associations in DC. They've made that case to the committees. Um, you know, we're in a little different spot. We don't have some of those big programs to protect. Um, so we I think we're, we're probably a little less concerned about the, what would happen with the lapse in funding. Um, you know, certainly the conservation dollars in the IRA last year are helpful on that front. It kind of gave some some longer run out to some of those conservation programs. Um, but I think it depends on on, on your, your individual situation on a commodity by commodity basis. But certainly across agriculture, punting this thing in September gives everybody the ability to kind of take a step back and relax a little bit.
1: I want to talk about Paraguayan beef imports. Uh, This whole deal, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, Ethan, in terms of USDA allowing these beef imports from a country where they have this huge, long history of disease
6: in in their cattle. I mean, what is going on here? You know, that's a great question. I mean, we, we are incredibly frustrated to even be having this conversation. Um, This is a country who uh, was last inspected by USDA APHIS and and USDA FSIS back in 2009 and, and 12, respectively. So they haven't been down there to look at these operations in a decade or more, and that is supposed to be sort of... The bellwether for whether they have that equivalency with the U.S. system. I don't know how they can possibly feel that they have a, a real grasp of that, given uh, you know how outdated that data is at this point. And to your point, that that history of disease, you know, we've we've been in this this uh, discussion loop with Secretary Vilsack and his team, expressing our frustration over Brazil for the last year or two, asking for them to be their access to the U.S. to be suspended because of their failure to timely report atypical BSE cases. That same sort of lack of a central competent authority I think persists in, in countries like Paraguay as well. You know, their diagnostic capabilities aren't up to snuff. Their ability to to uh, you know accurately, quickly diagnose mm-hmm. a condition and respond to it isn't anywhere near where, where we are here in the United States. Um and, and to just allow them To to have that same access is is reckless and and something we're incredibly concerned about. We're going to continue to be vocal about it, and and we're going to look for some options to make sure that we protect the U.S. supply chain.
1: Should the American consumer here in the short run be... Concerned right now or not?
6: No, I, no. That I, I think that there's 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 got to be some some you know distinction made there between between those two things. I mean, any product coming into the country that's going to go through that that USDA inspection process, if it's you know further processed or included in something else. I mean, we're talking about things like lean trim that are going to go into ground beef. I don't think people are going to be. Eating a lot of you know muscle cuts coming out of Paraguay in, in, sure. in the in the foreseeable future, um, and and certainly we have that safety mechanism in place there. This is about herd health. This is about the the producer, and I think that's the element that we want to make sure we're paying attention to. You know, if there were to be an FMD outbreak in the United States, um, the the beef is not is not a, a harm to to a consumer that's eating it. It's a it's a it's a harm to the herd. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that's the, the the area that we kind of pay attention to and are are, are making sure we're not leaving the barn door open so to speak
1: and with a herd that's already small and has to rebuild we don't want to we don't want to set that clock back any farther than it already is, I think, at this point, Ethan. Either if if something were to happen, if we were to get an FMD outbreak, that could be catastrophic for just the size of the herd in the U.S. right now.
6: Well, we, I mean, we we don't play around with the, with disease outbreak in the U.S. cattle oh, industry. No. Regardless, no, no, no. I mean, you know, you look at the 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 fear um, on the ASF front, you know, lurking off offshore in Puerto Rico, and you look at the the high path AI spread, and and you know, uh, we are we are bound and determined to avoid that fate in the in the cattle industry with our own, you know, yeah. with whether it's FMD or lumpy. Skin disease that we're seeing, you know, spread in other parts of the world. Um, and you, you do that through consistency in how you apply those standards and, and ensuring that you're 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 not using, you know, access to the U.S. to incentivize behavior in foreign governments. And, and you know, that's a statement that we've heard from USTR, from Catherine Tai in the last year. She made that comment somewhere that, you know, we don't really need to focus on exports and agriculture anymore. We need to use our consumption footprint to incentivize behavior change in, in foreign governments. Well, on behalf of the cattle producers that I represent, we disagree. We need that access. We need those foreign markets. And and we don't want you using us as trade bait, um, you know, for a larger geopolitical discussion um, and, and risking herd health as a result.
1: We'll keep our eye on the Paraguayan beef import issue uh, for sure. I want to ask you about USDA's recent announcement. Uh, they're leveling the playing field. They say with updates to the Packers and Stockyards Act and competition – at different measures here. What is your take? What does NCBA's take on what USDA has been rolling out here?
6: You know, this has been a long-running uh, battle uh, going back to the days of GYPSA years ago, coming out of the 2008 Farm Bill, uh, This this uh, this directive to uh, to establish some, you know, some some guidelines on on what constitutes harm to competition in the marketplace, um, the first rule, the one that's now final, is is dealing with the poultry tournament system. Obviously, not something that impacts the the, the beef side. Um, we're we're waiting for the second rule, which uh, is the inclusive competition rule. That's kind of new business. That's really in line with kind of the Bidenomics. I, I program that the administration has spent a lot of time talking about. This is kind of a hot topic in the National Economic Council. Um, and, and that rule is a little more vague. Um, it's seeking to define what a market-vulnerable individual is um, I, I don't know that I'm aware of a cattle producer that's not a market-vulnerable individual on a daily basis. That's a good point. Um, you know, so I, I don't really know how you define that um, under the Packers and Stockyards Act, but that's what they're going to attempt to do with that second rule. Um, and then, you know, we, we understand there's going to be a third rule or they're intending to promulgate a third rule. We would expect that that would look something like the old Gypsy rules. Um, and, and by that, I mean, um, you know, in the past iterations of it, it's been, it's been dangerous because, it, quite frankly, it, it levels the playing field to a point where everyone basically gets the same price. And, and you know, there might be some folks that feel like that's the, the, the way to do it. Um, we like to see that innovation in the marketplace. We like to see that competition. We like to see, you know, a guy looking at what their neighbor is doing and saying, I'm going to do it better. Or, I'm going to do it different. And I'm going to go seek some premiums for that. We don't want to see things that disincentivize that or, or, or you know, trample that, that, that personal initiative. And this has the real danger to do that. Um, so we've been working with Congress extensively. We're looking at some uh, language in the appropriations process that would that would prevent them from moving forward with some of this, um, and th- because it really could it could really uh, be detrimental to that real explosive growth we've seen. We've got strong demand right now. We're producing some of the highest quality beef the world has ever seen, and we're doing it with the lowest environmental footprint we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen by accident. That's that's innovation in the marketplace. It's market signals. Um, it's responding to consumer demand, um, and and those are good things. Those are things we want to encourage. Once again, Ethan Lane from
1: NCBA joined me last week in Kansas City. We'll be back with more on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, right after this.
4: Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful, pain-reducing prescription medicines. But most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting at homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov drugdisposal.
7: Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We work around it and we live around it every day and we just become desensitized to what's around us. We go through safety training and, you know, we try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen, but you just never know.
9: There are so many farmers that I think take for granted all
5: of the underground utilities that are there.
0: You don't want to hit a gas pipe because
4: that's your
5: life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it.
7: I mean, we kind. To know what's out here, but all at the same time, you, you just always call.
4: Farm Safe
7: 811 starts with you. Whether you're installing drain tile or doing any sort of digging, always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked and have the depth confirmed. That's farming with care. But if a line does get damaged, go somewhere safe and call 911.
3: Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay
10: humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org.
1: Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss.
10: Paid Non Attorney Spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free, and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stepacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main Office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states.
11: Do you know how much one stock of wheat is worth? Well, you're about to find out wheat is a member of the grass family that produces a dry one-seeded fruit commonly called a kernel there are about 1 million kernels of wheat in a bushel about 50 kernels per stock which if we do the math is about 20,000 stocks of wheat per bushel that means that if a bushel is worth $8 then each stock is worth about 0.04 cents so you would need 2,500 wheat stocks to equal $1 now that one bushel of wheat will yield approximately 42 pounds of white flour or 60 pounds of whole wheat flour a bushel of wheat makes about 42 pounds of pasta or 210 servings of spaghetti wheat is the primary grain used in u.s. grain products approximately three quarters of all u.s. grain products are made from wheat flour and in the united states one acre of harvested land yields an average of around 45 to 50 bushels of wheat so if you ever wondered how much one stock of wheat was worth now you know these farm facts brought to you by the american ag network
0: this is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles, and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word Cure to 501 501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online to CoachToCureMD.org. Text the word Cure to 501 501. Help coaches cure MD.
4: Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association.
0: keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed AOA now back to Jesse Allen
1: and welcome back to AOA today's show brought to you by Cenex Maxtron synthetic diesel engine oil everyday products powered locally by Cenex well happy to be home after a, a very long week, but rewarding week, talking agriculture in Kansas City, Missouri, at the 80th Annual National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. So many great conversations and catch it up with folks throughout the agriculture industry. And we have uh, many more of those conversations that we haven't even got to yet here on the program that uh, I'm going to be sharing with you over the next uh, couple of days, the uh, coming days ahead here through the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll uh, talk about uh, commodity markets, Sean O'Toole with CHS Hedging, Mackenzie Billings with the CME Group talking about livestock options uh, trading. We'll also hear from Dr. Paul Sunberg, retiring from the Swine Health Information Center, Megan Kaiser, the chair of the United Soybean Board, Andrew Brandt with the uh, U.S. Grains Council. Uh, so many more conversations coming up here over the next couple of days on AOA. Of course, we just heard Ethan Lane from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association from last week in Kansas City. Right now, I want to turn our attention over to agronomy and talk about some reminders for year end with Tim Swanson from CHS. Here is that interview from last week at the NAFB convention in Kansas City. Joining us with CHS, Product Manager of Agronomy, Tim Swanson is with us here at the NAFB Convention. Tim, it's uh, great to sit down and have a conversation with you. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, doing well. Uh, nice to nice to visit with you, Jesse. Let's dive in and uh, it's a critical time right now. We got a lot of fall field work, harvest wrapping up, a lot of this uh, late season fertilizer application, things like that happening, fall tillage, etc. A lot of folks are trying to wrap things up here before the holidays and then turn their attention to the next year in spring planting. Um, let's just start in, in general, uh, just thinking about fall field work right now. Anything on your mind or any tips you would share with growers, just some things they really need to think about and remember here over the next couple of weeks?
5: Yeah, so I think it's uh, <clears throat> taking a look at, at where their year was, uh, what worked, what didn't, um, make sure we set up for, for next season, and uh, we got our best foot forward.
1: Okay. All right. What about uh, on the fertilizer side? Fertilizer prices have come down quite a bit here. Um, Any thoughts as far as, you know, we got some of that fall nitrogen application, phosphate, et cetera, or making decisions and trying to figure things out for next spring and what your needs will be. Talk about that fertilizer market a little more. What do you think?
5: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's always a balancing act. Markets dictate a lot of things and how we do, uh, you know, next year's, next year's plan. So we got to know that first. Um, I, I think it's always a great idea to get some down in the fall, uh, especially where you, you leave some wiggle room in there to, to maybe make those uh, those pivots come next spring, depending on uh, whatever's in front of us.
1: Okay. Uh, in, in terms of locking in some of those uh, fertilizers and, and other inputs too, I know a lot of growers, you know, they look at crop protection products and they have all these things and products that could be in their toolbox and they look at their bottom lines and they say, oh, maybe I don't want to use as much of that product and I want to go with this, or et cetera, et cetera, I mean, what would you recommend for navigating some of the volatility that's out there in the crop protection market right now?
5: Yeah, I think luckily uh, a lot of that volatility has has quieted down from what we've experienced the last couple of years. You know, again, I think we just have to understand uh, what's the pest we're going after. Uh, Is there resistance? Is there other things like that? How do we best attack that? Um, Start there and and then just work backwards. Um, I I think also uh, a lot more growers are are looking a lot more farther forward. Uh, We used to get a lot of come in on a Monday kind of thing because I'm gonna spray Wednesday. Uh, More and more growers are are really looking farther in the future and, and, and putting really good solid plans in place. It's
1: and with those plans and thinking
5: long term, it's it's kind of like your grain marketing
1: in a way. You gotta have that risk management. You gotta know what you're doing and have that plan. And in some cases, plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, et cetera, Down the line, you, you may not have to use all of those, but at least have an idea. Have a couple fallback ideas too. To your point, make sure that you you have a well thought
5: out plan for your operation. Yeah, I think you nailed it right on the head. Uh having choices is going to be the best uh, best opportunity for most growers. Uh, to get stuck in, in one rut uh, might, might leave you up against the wall along the way. So,
1: What are some important decisions that we make here the next couple of months ahead? Uh, and I know these could change ahead of spring, but seed is in there too and, and other things. What, what are some of the big things that you would tell growers to lock in are we worried about certain supplies and supply chains going through the winter and into next year what what would you say would be the big one or two recommendations that growers really need to get figured out sooner rather than later
5: yeah well I think seed is always probably uh this is seed selling season uh, right now and making sure you get those hybrids that you're looking for Uh, ones you've had success with or, or, you know, just the traits that you uh, might require um, in in that operation. Um, Fertilizer, you know, I think that's always going to be a wild card. Uh, So many times we run into a logistics thing more than uh, a supply thing. So um, I I think it's always good, again, we're kind of leaning back towards that plan we've been talking about. But uh, anything that's on this fall, that's that much less that has to go through the system in in the spring we work really hard to to put up the assets out in the country and make sure we're, we're prepared for that. Uh, but uh, still, planning is, is always best for, for everybody in agriculture.
1: I couldn't agree more. And you know, another topic that I uh, failed to bring up yet here that I know we could have a whole other discussion on is our sustainability efforts on the operation and some of the agronomic things we do in terms of sustainability. And I know that a lot of farmers need to take what they're doing on their operation uh, from that viewpoint as well, and add that into their plan, don't they?
5: Uh, well, they, they do, and, and I, I think it's uh, it's a great bunch we work with these these growers, right? Uh, sure. I've yet to meet a grower that didn't want to take care of their their land and of course the water and, and everything. A um, lot of stuff brewing in the background, um, you know, carbon programs and, and the sustainability, like you say. Uh, so there there might be a lot of opportunity out there, and a lot of it's just coming into play right now.
1: Fantastic. Well, great thoughts, product manager of agronomy with CHS, Tim Swanson. Tim, thanks for joining us here in Kansas City and uh, sharing some time and having a conversation. We really appreciate
5: it. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you, Jesse.
1: Once again, that conversation last week at the NAFB convention in Kansas City with Tim Swanson from CHS. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we're going to share more of those conversations from the NAFB convention. We'll talk hedging strategy with Sean O'Toole from CHS Hedging. We'll also learn more about uh, record participation in livestock futures and options and more with Mackenzie Billings from the CME Group. We'll get an update on fertilizer from Josh Linville and Mike Castle with Stone X as well. And we'll get a rundown of some of the news headlines. Today's AOA brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, power to perform. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.
3: we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a
11: combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields.
10: It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver.
12: Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe. Safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org. I'm Shanola Hampton. Every day, millions of people face hunger. Today, I will share with you some of their experiences. I'm stuck between paying for medications or paying for food. John from Maine. After paying my bills, I can buy groceries. It's sad to say, food comes last. Alice from Oregon. I thought pantries were for less fortunate people but anybody could be less fortunate in a day, or even a second. Claire from Virginia. The Feeding America network of food banks helps provide over six billion meals to people in need each year. No one should have to worry where their next meal will come from. Together, we can end hunger. Learn more at feedingamerica.org.